1: Joey Votto had successful rotator cuff surgery that was a little more complicated than was initially anticipated. The Reds took the easy way out in replacing him with the activation of Mike Moustakis, just like we were afraid they would. And we are going to be taking your questions as you drive the ship today on this special live prime time edition of the Locked on Reds podcast.
0: Let's go. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, on this live edition of the Locked On Reds podcast that is brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team. Every day. Thanks for making us your first listen, though, being that it's like seven o'clock, this might not be your first listen of the day, but thank you anyway for every day that you do make us your first listen on today's podcast. We've got a lot to get to because Joseph Daniel Votto had successful surgery they don't expect his timeline to be pushed back from where they initially thought he should be ready for some time at spring training not necessarily expecting him to be the first one to report but he should be ready by opening day next year we're going to kind of dive into the details as to what happened there at least of all of their different reports and we're going to react to the fact that yeah we caught it the Reds brought up brought Mike Mustakis off of the IL and inserted him at first base. We'll talk about exactly how long we figure that's going to be the plan and why they didn't do the right thing. What the right thing is, we'll get into here in just a little bit. But, Steve, we are looking at a series here in Pittsburgh as the Reds are taking on the Lowly Pirates. And then, of course, it's, it's hard for us to call anybody Lowly at this point. It's been a rough year for our Redlegs. However, this is the kind of series that we can expect to be competitive and and see the reds actually get a couple of wins here however moose is going to be starting at first base
1: well you do have that but you've got graham ashcraft on the mound tonight as well you know you know i want to see these young guys have successes and excel and do all of the things that we've been kind of hoping to see from them these are the kind of teams they need to do it against uh They've got all got enough time under their belt now. Barrero's got enough time in the big leagues that he should be able to tattoo some of this Pirates pitching. Uh, Ashcraft has got enough time in the big leagues now that this no-name lineup, a lineup uh, that Dennis Eckersley on a broadcast dubbed <laughs> pathetic, uh, he should have some success there. So, you know, this is the kind of game that not only should they, you know, do well in, they should excel. They should win. Uh, This should definitely be a series when I would like to see a sweep.
2: This this is the kind of series where you start to have a gut check on certain players. We're talking about the prove it guys. And I agree with you, especially about Barrero. all of the momentum coming off of that walk-off hit. Sure. He was over before that, but that was nice to see, but we've got to start. So the big topic here that it's been for the past couple of days is Joey Votto. Joey Votto is out for the rest of the season. He had successful surgery today to repair his left rotator cuff and his bicep, which was actually not initially reported. What was your first reaction whenever you heard that news? Because I was like, oh, okay, so there's more to this.
1: Yeah, and so I'm going to put my other life hat on again for a second. (laughs) I've had to do that now for a couple days. This works So listen, the, the, the biceps muscle... I'm not shocked to hear that they had to do some work on the bicep. If you're looking at a rotator cuff, the, the tendon, the long head of the bicep tendon actually feeds into the rotator cuff. So what this tells me is that when Joey said he was having a hard time sleeping and that it really hurt him, it really hurt him. Uh, this was a significant tear of the rotator cuff that they had to do repairs on uh, the fact that they included the bicep means they probably had to reattach that tendon. It sounds like his bicep tendon separated from the rotator cuff. That's just my gut initial reaction uh the the fact of the matter is this really doesn't change his timeline very much uh, professional athlete with professional trainers the, the best medical help out there uh, this is not going to derail him this is just going to ensure that when he comes back uh, on his comeback player of the year tour in 2023 that he's going to be fully ready to go they got all the work done all one crack
2: yeah i i was not necessarily shocked. I was a little surprised to learn that it was a little bit more than what we thought, but just even from a normal person's point of view, knowing that your shoulders hurt, like you're going to push through and play baseball, play an athletic sport like baseball. You're going to have to compensate in other areas. And obviously his bicep overcompensated and he hurt that too. That's that's just why. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why his doctor told him now's the time to get surgery because you already hurt something else. Who knows what else is going to happen? You're probably looking at jeopardizing even coming back at all if you continue to play through this. And it's something that... You know, we played this clip. This is a short little clip of Joey's um, press conference that he had the other day talking about his injury, and he kept trying to stress that he wasn't affected by it. His performance wasn't affected by it until he said this, which kind of undermined everything that he was telling us. The doctor informed me that
3: with these sort of injuries, at some point, you hit a a breaking point, and you don't come, you don't, you're not able to manage it quite as well. And that's the way I felt over the last several months it's affected my hand my arm in general uh, I've been, you know truly I've been playing I've noticed it for a long time in, in my work and we're used to playing through stuff like that and you just assume it's going to pass
2: he stopped himself from saying he was playing hurt mm-hmm that, that's that's what happened there, and, and it's it's clear to me that this season can really be boiled down to that injury for him, and I, I think that, sure, Father Time's got an effect on this, but still, I expect him to bounce back big. The thing of it is, you and I were both talking about how they replace him, and we said that they would do this. They chose the easy way out. Oh, they absolutely chose the easy way out. And I just want
1: to make mention we are live. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, if you're watching us on Twitter, thank you so much. We're live. If you've got questions, if there's things you want to talk about, get them in the comments, and we will try our best to get to as much of it as we can. I'll be monitoring for those. So if you got something you want to talk about, we want to talk about it too.
2: Exactly. And when it came to the way that the Reds made this uh, choice, they, they just brought Mike Moustakis off of the injured list, and inserted him at first base. We said that was probably what was going to happen. It is. They didn't have to make a roster move. They didn't have to add anybody to the 40-man, Spencer Steele, which I I can't remember. Is he already on the 40-man? I don't think he is.
1: I don't believe that he is. He has not made his major league debut, so there would have been no need to put him on the 40-man at this time. Uh, But uh, breaking news, I'm going to talk to him on Monday. I'll ask him about it.
2: There we go. Yes. Uh, if you did not get the chance to check it out after you're done watching us here today, check out Steve's interview with Matt McClain. He had an awesome chat with the Reds' number five prospect, at least according to MLB Pipeline, and the number 76 prospect in all of baseball. And Spencer Steer coming on too. That, that's going to be a lot of fun as well. Keep breaking news and like getting me excited right in the middle. let's get back to something not quite as exciting moose coming back look i i want him to bounce back i want him to show us something but it's been three years now and what we have seen has not been impressive you know
1: let's let's be honest and call it what it is he is a shell of the guy that he once was injuries have taken a toll. Uh, Maybe he has a little bit left in the tank against right-handed pitchers in a strictly DH role. That could be a thing. Uh, I don't like him being in the field, even at first base. I think that the reds had better options that they could have explored and they didn't, and maybe they still will. Maybe it's going to be a September thing. We talked about that. Maybe this is just to get through the next week or two, and then they'll make a move. Uh, I don't know for sure what's going to happen, but I know that, Relying on Mike Moustakis as your everyday first baseman is not this team putting its best foot forward as far as players they could be using right now. It's not them putting uh, some stock in the young guys and getting a look at them. It's not them kind of doing any of the things. This is really, you called it yesterday a punt, and I think that's exactly what it is. It's it's them you know kicking the can down the road on making any kind of decision at all.
2: Yeah, and it's something kind of piggybacking off what you said about Brandon Williamson. I wonder if this applies to Spencer Steer, if they're just not trying to start his clock at the same time that they started all these other guys' clock this year. But even then, I think that it should still be a a non-issue for me because I think Spencer Steer has shown he has the talent. And uh, shout-out to Carrick Melvin. I appreciate this uh, question here on the chat. Should Farmer be non-tendered after the season? to open up third base for steer. I don't necessarily think you have to do that. There there's plenty of other roster spots that could open up that steer would take over.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think farmer has a lot of value in a a utility role for this team, especially Mm. with all the young guys coming up. Uh, They're going to need a little bit of veteran leadership to kind of help get them acclimated to the major leagues. I think farmer can serve that role. Now I'm not advocating, you know, Playing farmer over these guys, but you know, you could, you could use Kyle farmer um, in a variety of positions next season, uh, keeping him valuable to the team, keeping him valuable to bringing along the youngsters and he's not going to cost a ton of money uh, and you're not in your competitive year yet, which we believe is 2024.
2: And as the Reds finish a one-two-three top of the first, let's let's roll Kyle Farmer into this Moose discussion because what we had kind of said is that okay, if you want to play Moose, you can play Moose. Let's do a platoon. Let's move Kyle Farmer to first base. Call up Spencer Steer and platoon Farmer and Moose because and let's put the let's put this into perspective because the eye test. If you've watched Moose at all this year, you know things just ain't quite right. Like even when he's been healthy, he seems like he's lumbering in the field. I think is the best word that I can use as an adjective or not an adju- a verb as to what he does whenever he is on defense. And at the plate, his bat's been slow. And when you look at his body of work overall as a red at the plate, I mean, this isn't really, I'm going to throw up this graphic. This is not impressive. This is over three years now it's also worth noting in the three years he's been a red he's actually played in less games than he did in the two years that he was a brewer anyway three years is a red he's hitting 210 steve like uh, at, at, at what point do we expect that to get better when he's been doing it for three years
1: it's listen he's not going to have some kind of miraculous rebound uh, at, at the very least we could put him in a position to at least do a little bit of damage. That's where the platoon comes in. You know, this is what we talked about yesterday, Jeff, in moving Kyle farmer over to first base, you know, farmer's not going to like it uh, It's probably going to tick him off a little bit. I don't care. Uh, this is an opportunity for the reds to get a look at Spencer steer, let Spencer steer get a look at major league pitching and have some things to work on in the offseason. I am all for that. I am also for, uh, starting to explore the the super utility role for Kyle Farmer. You know, uh, there was a follow-up in the in the chat from Carrick about, oh, do we think Farmer would be a distraction as a bench player? I don't think so. I think that uh, Major League Baseball is such that a super utility guy can get basically full-time at-bats in giving people days off and playing platoons. So I think Ben's that he's overst- still going to get his yeah. time. He just needs to accept the fact that he's not going to be the everyday shortstop, the – Every day, third baseman, I think uh, he'll bring value in a a multitude of positions.
2: I think people hear when when we talk about Kyle Farmer as a super utility guy. I think people hear super utility and I think that's a negative like Ben Zobrist won the World Series MVP in 2016. And you can't tell me what position he played every day because he didn't play an everyday position. He played all over the place for the Cubs. He was absolutely crucial. Obviously, you get that award, but he was crucial to the entire year. For the cubs he was crucial his entire career as a ray he never had a specific spot you can't tell me that kyle farmer can't fit in that role kyle farmer has shown to have an amazing team first attitude because he was completely honest whenever asked about being off moved off shortstop he said i don't like it i like playing shortstop no, in fact shortstop. he said it
1: sucks he said yeah. it sucks
2: he said it sucks he did not sh- cherry coat it he didn't you know, give us that player speak, but he is still a leader. He is still a guy that is going to help out this clubhouse. And I don't think that that's going to change. If you move him again, it's not as if he's married to third base all of a sudden after playing what a dozen games there.
1: No, along the lines of, of this conversation, this one's interesting. I'll throw it up on the screen for you there, Jeff, because our man Ellie De La Cruz is doing things that nobody has done in a long, long time down in Chattanooga. Now, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in support of the spirit behind this question and this post, but I think it's a little too early to bring Ellie De La Cruz up to the majors. Uh, I would like to see him get a taste of AAA before this season ends, you know, an invite to spring training next year, a full season at AAA, and then maybe a cup of coffee towards the end of 2023. Uh, but I want Jose Barrero at shortstop the rest of the way. I would like to see Spencer steer at third, get that question answered uh, and give Ellie a little bit more time. I understand he's mashing down there, but what we don't want to do is uh, derail the progress that is being made. So I, I would be reluctant to, even think about bringing him up right now
2: yeah let's let's dive into ellie a little bit because ellie has acclimated uh, i I would say i mean we talked about it early on it looked like the numbers were a little uh less than you would expect for him at double a they have taken off so dramatically and i mean the video that we saw of him and i wish i had that to play right here but the home run that he hit over the batter's eye in chattanooga that was estimated at almost 500 feet was just absolute i mean i mean he is doing this he does it everywhere at the bat in the field on the base paths he has everything however He hasn't been challenged yet. I think that he will face. It's kind of like what we saw with Hunter Green. Hunter Green set the minor leagues on fire in single A and double A. I mean, he struggled a little bit early on in Dayton, but then he figured things out and then he just set everything on fire. He got to triple A and he had some trouble giving up home runs. We saw that again this year when he got promoted to the majors. So what happens when L.A. De La Cruz makes it to triple A? I'm with you. I do want to see a little bit more of him develop but I do agree that the future is very, very soon for L.A. De La Cruz. We're not talking about a guy that we're going to see in 2024, 2025. We're going to see him probably next year.
1: Yeah, and, and a couple things. Uh, that home run you're talking about is not even his longest home run of the season. He hit one 510 feet, five hundred somewhere in that neighborhood <laughs> over the concession stand. Uh, earlier in the season, I measured, I, in fact, I posted a picture and I shared it with you. Uh, I, I took that home run trajectory and put it in Great American Ballpark. And basically it was a one hopper into the river. That is where that ball would have landed. So he has tremendous power. There's some comparisons uh, between De La Cruz and Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. And I see those comparisons and I know that Soto came up to the major leagues. uh, didn't spend any time in triple a. There are a lot of, there are a lot of similarities between these two players. Uh, Would it hurt my feelings any, if they give De La Cruz a spring training invite and he makes the team next year? No, it will not hurt my feelings at all. I don't know about bringing him up this year though. I think I would much rather them go with the, with the plan of getting a look at Spencer steer and then bring De La Cruz along next season.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that one. I tell you what, we're, we're going to continue this Elia De La Cruz conversation. Plus, I have a question for you that came from our Discord server. Actually, by the way, if you want to check out our Discord server, uh, I've got a link in the description that I finally updated, figured out that, you know, sometimes those things expire. I did not know that. For, like, weeks it's been expired. We got it fixed. Check out the link um, for the Discord server. But I want to talk about this question about Joseph Daniel. It's a little bit of a hypothetical, but I think it's worth exploring coming up here in just a moment. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that you probably did not know this, that a key to sustainable weight loss, through your liver. you got to check out the liver health formula. It's made by Pure Health Research. It's going to help you maintain a healthy liver, which will help you maintain sustainable weight loss. It has the kind of super nutrient mix, like super utility player extraordinaire, Kyle Farmer, who can help out a team wherever he goes. So can the liver health formula help out your liver. Check it out today. It's at Pure Health Research. You go to getliverhelp.com slash MLB. You'll get a risk-free trial plus you'll get a free bottle of curb fit which is an all-natural appetite suppressant makes it a great one two punch fastball changeup combo when you're looking at the liver health formula again that's getliverhelp.com mlb to get your risk-free trial of liver health formula with your free bottle of curb fit Today. So get your health in gear and help yourself get some sustainable weight loss with the Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research at slash MLB. This lockdown podcast is brought to you
3: by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients.
2: Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day, your first listen maybe of the primetime day, as we are live right here on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining this live iterance of the podcast. Steve and I are taking your comments, taking your questions. We've been talking a little bit about Ellie De La Cruz, and Gimpleg has a great uh, point here. If Ellie were to follow Solo's timeline, he would get called up next May. I think that'd be kind of interesting, to be honest with you, because... I think he has shown, at least through Daytona, Dayton, and Chattanooga, that really in a short amount of time, he has mastered those levels. He has gotten to the point where he's comfortable at the plate. You can see in his numbers, this is not a you-got-to-get-a-hit-to-get-on-base type dude. He can command the strike zone when needed. I'm
1: I'm here for it. Uh, as soon as they can get him up. And, and there's some debate about this. I mean, I could be wrong in and not wanting to see him this season. But it's just a very small, I know he's destroying Double A, but I would just really hate to do anything that would derail his confidence. And I I think I need to see him in Louisville for just a little bit before we bring him up to the major league level, just to make me feel better. That could be a bad take. It could be a wrong take, but it's just kind of where I'm sitting right now. I think he's special and I really don't want anything to screw it up.
2: By the way, return extraordinaire at PNC Park. Mike Moustakis has a hit in his first at-bat, and Nick Senzel with a two-run home run in his return to the lineup. Red's up 2-0 already. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think that the timeline, there still needs to be a little bit more for him in the minor leagues, but... I don't necessarily think it's got to be that long, and I would love that if he's up in May. All right, let me pose this to you, Steve, because this was in the Discord server today, and I, I found it interesting. Sure, it's a little hypothetical, and it's a little bit—it's a little bit selective. But if this were the final year of Joseph Daniel Votto's career, uh, contract with the Cincinnati Reds, would you sign him to a new contract next year? Like he has no contract next season at all with the Reds. Because you right. and I both agree that he is comeback player of the year next year. He's right. gonna is do he, it. Is he gonna be
1: vocal? Without- is he gonna be vocal in the offseason about wanting to play?
2: Yes. Then because yeah. Joey doesn't I,
1: I try I try and get that guy signed. Cause I'm gonna tell okay. you what. I, I, this is like I said on yesterday's episode. Uh, you know, he's not going to get twenty-five million dollars to come back. I mean, he'd no. have to come back on a on a one-year prove it of some kind. But I, I I said yesterday, I have learned a long time ago to never doubt Joey Votto. And what we learned yesterday from this injury explained to me everything that was going on with his swing and his numbers this year. Uh, again, with one arm. He was at an 85 OPS plus. That's only two percentage points behind Jonathan India. So while it was bad, when you're thinking about Joey Votto numbers, we've seen a whole lot worse in Cincinnati than what Joey Votto put up this year.
2: Oh yeah. We in <clears throat> our Guino is, Gino is uh, still on this team getting regular bats. So, Mm-hmm, but yeah, I would have to see the terms of the deal. I agree, It'd be a one year, prove it deal. It would definitely have to be less than what he has right now. But I do think that in this hypothetical scenario, Joey Votto would be vocal about returning because he's not gonna leave his career with a whimper. He's not going out like this. But the nice thing is the Reds don't have to worry about that. He's under contract next year, and I do believe he is going to force them to consider to pick up his option in 2024, which I've seen a lot of vitriol, not necessarily on a Discord server, but definitely on the social medias about the idea of the Reds picking up his team option in 2024 for $20 million. The Castellini's are going to have
1: no choice. If if Joey Votto comes back and is anything let's just say like he was even just comes back like he performed last season during that that power surge that he had uh, if he comes back close to that he's going to force the Castellini's hands because not gonna they're not going to do a whole lot to to garner themselves any good PR between now and when all these youngsters get good and the reds win some games so the uh, one of the easy things they can do is pick up that option keep Joey around for one more year and really, uh, and hopefully, solidify his Hall of Fame credentials
2: to uh, to make sure that that happens. Is it a vocal minority that dislikes Joey Votto? Because I tend to believe that that's the case. I think most Reds fans love Joey Votto. Um, I I really think that. Ah, oh, that's yeah, interesting. He only has to be worth thirteen million to be worth picking him up. Yeah, because you have to pay him either way. It's not as right. if. And I think people forget that, too, is that if you don't pick up the $20 million option, you're still handing him a check for $7 million. And then he's going to go play somewhere else, because especially if he does get comeback player of the year in 2023, like we're thinking, then he's going to want to play some more. It's not Mm -hmm. as if he's going to go out and be like, yeah, I'm good, because he has said before in the past, he has given us the blueprint for his retirement announcement. And that is he's like, when I can no longer contribute, I will retire that's one plus one equals two.
1: And during the field of dreams game with uh, the live mic in the field, I'm pretty sure that he told Bob Castellini, you I want you to pick up my option. I mean, he (laughs) didn't say those words, but he said those words. I mean, at least that's how I interpreted what he was saying during the
2: broadcast. Totally agree. I mean, John Smoltz had the, had the mic and he was just like, all right, let's see if Joseph's going to give us a little bit of, yeah, it's been a nice career, but I think we're getting him, uh, think we're uh i think we're getting them out of here but uh joey's like uh nah bubba nah i talk with ken Griffey senior and he's like you play as long as you can and i feel pretty good
1: well, this has been a this has been a good driving so far by our commenters, Jeff. Uh, yeah, the, the comments have kind of steered the direction we were hoping to go. Anyway, uh, keep them coming, guys. Uh, whatever you guys want to talk about tonight, that's what we're talking about. We're gonna stick around. Uh, you know, normally we try and stay at about a half an hour, but we're ready to expand that out as much as we need to uh, to uh, keep the conversation going. So, if you've got more questions, if you've got more comments, throw them into the chat right now. We're gonna um continue to explore what you guys want to talk about uh but before we get into a couple more comments jeff uh you know i'll tell you uh, i've been losing uh my <laughs> the shirt off my back uh, over at betonline.net because been i've been betting horses. with my heart and uh and following my uh whatever you say do the opposite advice and you've been right a lot lately and i haven't been following it So uh, next time I head over to betonline.net, I'm going to have to uh, maybe listen to you a little bit more. But listen, you got to take the over. That is right. Listen, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for the odds, the lines, and the games. You can find reviews and news from every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, all of the combat sports, esports, and even golf, Jeff. We have talked about this. Uh, I'm pretty sure that anytime I'm betting on golf, it's going to have to be about you, and it's going to take the over. I'm going to take the over every time because I've heard how you are on the golf course Uh, they've got you covered for all of those sports and so much more bet online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information including live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered on all fronts head to betonline.net today you can use your computer or mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now bet online is where the game starts Thank you all so much for hanging out with us on this live broadcast of the locked on reds podcast. I almost said my old podcast name. I don't know what's going on there, but this is the locked on reds podcast and we are live right now in prime time as the the reds sport, a two run lead against the
2: pirates. Jeff, what is, what is is happening by the way, a quick derailment of the segment. What is happening? Mike Moustakis has a hit in his first at bat and he just made a diving play at first base. Is, is he listening right now? Is, is he got a phone in a pocket like the guy at bat, Rodolfo Castro? Is he listening right now to the phone in, the, in his back pocket? Like, oh, and a nice little flip oh to Ashcraft on that boy, too. Moose is like turning back the clock. Real quick, before we jump back into some comments, I want to throw this graphic up again because when we talk about Mike Mostakis, I remember when they signed him, I was so excited. I was looking forward to seeing this dude play for the Reds, and it's just been a rough stretch. Is there any chance, and I don't think that it's something he can really salvage the rest of the season, but maybe it is. Is there any chance he salvages this and doesn't get DFA'd next spring?
1: Yes, and it has a whole lot less to do with him salvaging anything and a whole lot more to do with, the Castellini's being willing to eat the contract and then pay somebody else to replace him. Uh, If some of the, some of the responsibility here falls on David Bell and Nick crawl. And the fact of the matter is, you know, you and I have been able to look at Mike Moustakis and see that he's not right. And most of our listeners have been able to look at Mike Moustakis and see that he's not right. But yet crawl and bell continue to run moves out there. Like He's right. Uh, They have to start making adjustments to put him in a position to be successful. You platoon him. You keep him off the field defensively as much as possible. I know he made a great play just now, but still you keep him in a DH role against right-handed pitching and he can be successful. And is he going to earn that contract that he's got? No, but I don't care. It's not my money. It's Bob's money. Give it to him. It's already signed. It's already done. There's nothing we can do about that, but put him in a position to be successful and help the team as much as possible, as much as he's capable of given his decline.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think the only reason he is still a red next year is just because they don't want to, take the Matt Kemp road. They don't want to say, we'll see you later. Here's a check. You, you go have fun. But I really do think that anywhere in this lineup, the Reds could be putting somebody who has a future with this team. Next year is Mike Moustakas last year on his contract. And unless the Reds get him on the cheap and unless the Reds are able to cut his salary in a, uh, by two thirds, I think for another year, they should not even approach signing him. And I don't think that they will. I don't think this is something that we will see him back in 2024. But because of that, it worries me that the Reds may even let him take up a roster spot over a possible future asset.
1: I don't even want to think about that.
0: I hope that's not correct.
1: (laughs) I I, I really don't. I, I, I am reserving myself, resigning myself to the fact that he'll be here next season. And I think that's going to be it for him.
2: Well, I tell you what, though, let's let's move away from some moose talk because we've talked a lot about moose. I think this is the most we talked about moose I in a long, it. long time.
1: Well, let's get into some of these comments. You know, we, we talked about letting the the listeners drive the show, so let's do it. Uh, first one right out of the gate. What do we think about extending Ooh. India and Stevenson? I have thoughts on this. In fact, I had a I had a good conversation, or the the beginnings of a good conversation, with our buddy Kin over on Twitter at uh, Obscure X Reds. And you know, basically, the question he asked of me is, would if I was Bob Castellini, would I be willing to put out an equity call to the ownership group to bring in more cash to extend guys like India and Stevenson? My answer to that question is yes, I would, but I don't think that it's necessary. To, in order to, to get into that, you would have to believe that the Reds are really as poor as Castellini says they are. So if they are, if they really are that poor, then absolutely. Put out an equity call. Let's get these guys extended because it's like remodeling your house. Take out a little bit of the cash, invest in the remodel, up the value, and then you can kind of have a nice space around you. Same thing with these two players. Bring in some money if you have to. I don't think they do. Sign Indian Stevenson. Buy out their arbitration Maybe keep them into a free agent year or two, build around them with these young guys. You raise the value of the franchise. You put butts in the seats. You make more money from ticket sales. You make more money from postseason baseball. Uh, it pays for itself in the long term. As they say, you got to spend money to make money.
2: I think that this carries with it a question there's a couple of things on this and we're going to tip our hand a little bit, because this is one of my like overarching storylines for next year. I think that the time is next year to get them extended because next year is when all the big contracts come off the books, like, you know, except for Joey's $20 million option, but even still, that he's going to be the only guaranteed contract for 2024. So now or next year is the time to extend one or both of these guys. And he needs to give a, you know, Bob and, and Phil and, and Nick crawl. They all need to give a call down to Atlanta and see exactly what they did to get Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies to sign those contracts. Because if the Reds could do something like that with Indian Stevenson, Oh boy, we're cooking with gas. But the question that I have for you, is when do you move Stevenson to first base? Because that affects my answer.
1: Well, you know, I've had so much pushback about I mean, you've seen it. I get blown up yeah. every time I talk about this, and I don't care. I'm going to die on this hill. When Votto is no longer your first baseman, Stevenson should be. And yep. you go out and you either either Nelson or your boy, Veoheen are going to work out, and they're going to replace him with those guys, or they can go out and sign somebody to play catcher. I, I think that Stevenson has shown that his bat – is it's a it's a superior all-star level catcher bat it's also a superior all-star level major league bat keep him healthy uh, limit the wear and tear on him and move him down to first base and do a first base dh kind of thing i would start next year and divide it into thirds i would let him be the relief guy at first base i dh him a lot and i'd only let him catch a third of his appearances next season
2: yeah. And I think if that's the case, then if I got to pick one or the other, I'd say Stevenson, because I think that he overall is going to be a much more just catalyst there in the middle of that lineup. He's going to help you score all those runs. And I think that the Reds have some dudes who could probably slot in at the top of the lineup to be on base for him. So it's not as if Jonathan India would kind of have the Reds in a in the corner here to be like, yes, I'm the leadoff hitter of the future. You've got to sign me. But again, I really think, and I'm with you, that there's a chance they could sign both these guys. I -hmm. I think that I'm picking Stevenson over India, but I really think that the Reds have a legitimate shot, at least for, you know, I'm not saying like 10-year deals here. We're saying like four or five-year deals. I think they get both done.
1: All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Scott Campbell says that uh, we should do a show at Red's Fest. Actually, Jeff and I just had a conversation about this. We are not going to do a show at Red's Fest, but we will both be at Red's Fest. Uh, I'm going to come to town. Uh, we are going to be uh, doing some different things. We may set up a, a live show out and about somewhere like we did at Fretboard, Uh a season or so ago, but we're not going to do at Reds Fest. We'd much rather kind of wander around and talk with everybody and see everybody. Uh, Jeff and I are also going to do a, a Bengals game, Kansas city's in town that weekend. So we've got a lot planned for that weekend, but we will do something. There will be some kind of locked on Reds event while I'm in town for Reds Fest, but we're not going to do a booth or a live show at the actual Reds Fest. We're going to, you know, wander around and talk with you all.
2: Look, and a little bit of unsolicited advertisement here, but if you've never been to Red's Fest, you are missing out on probably the second best day. Okay, there's two days, but two days of Red's Fest. Second best conglomeration of time around this team next to opening day. I mean, opening day is Christmas Day, obviously. But Red's Fest is so much fun. I mean, I remember the last time that I went, ran into so many different people, waved to Joey Foto as I walked by him in the hallway, got a selfie with Brett Tomko as he was in between um, uh, engagements of you know photos and, and stuff and all this stuff I and mean, talked to him for a minute. Just seeing all these different players and coaches and, and getting to meet all the fans and everything. It's so much fun. If you've never been, you absolutely need to go and we're going to be there.
1: Next question, Jeff. If uh, would you extend green or Ladolo? It can be just one. Which one would you pick?
2: I need another year. Hmm. I need another year. Um, I, I, if I had show- to decide
1: right now, I'd pick Ladolo.
2: Yeah. If, if it's right now, and yeah, in the spirit of the question, I'm guessing, Kerrick meant right now, this moment. Yes, I would agree. It's Lodolo. The other thing that gives me pause about Lodolo is he has been on the IL a couple of times, and it's been with back-related issues. We've seen how that's affected. I mean, the announcement came that Tony Santion's probably not going to be back this year, and he went on the IL back in the beginning of uh, June, I think, or no, July, and it was with a back issue that they said, oh, he's going to be back minimum. He'll probably be back next week, and we still haven't seen him, and we're not going to see him. And we also have Lucas Sims getting surgery on a disc and back issues just really give me pause with our pitchers. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that. But, yeah, if it's right now, it's Nick Lodolo.
1: All right. We just kind of hit on this a little bit, but surely they got to go out and get a backup catcher, right?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> well, can Jim, they get that dude? Can one, they get that dude from one Philly? Think. Can I, they get stubs from Philly? That guy was awesome.
1: Anybody that has played a couple major league games. Yeah. I don't know if Romine is the answer for next season. Um, He has demonstrated that he can call a game. The pitchers seem to like working with him, but I would like to get somebody with a little bit more um, put, uh, you know, offensive uh, prowess that can can at least hit a little bit better, but uh, yeah, they can't, they can't go through another season like they did this season with absolutely no plan beyond Tyler Stevenson.
2: And I'm with Jimmy on the on the question because I'm assuming that by the question, Jimmy does not believe that the backup catcher is currently on the roster. I don't either. I, I don't think it's Romine. It's definitely not Papirski. Like, you know, all due respect to Michael Papirski, I hope that he finds himself a spot next year. I hope that the Reds are not the spot.
1: Oh, this one. This was a good one. This one got me. I, I, I picked up on this as soon as Eric Davis said it the other day on the broadcast. Now, Eric Davis, this is uh, from Jeff Johnson. Eric Davis has said that Aquino was reluctant to take his advice about hitting. Do you think the same thing could be going on with Jose Barrero? I do not because I have had conversations, personal face-to-face conversations with Barry Larkin. About how he works with Jose Barrero and that, you know, Jose is very receptive to what he is being told. I think that Jose Barrero's issues are just a matter of, you know, one part trying to overachieve and feeling the pressure of needing to prove it one part, you know, facing major league pitching and one part, you know, needing the, the continued reps and the continued development, I think the Reds did him a disservice the last two years with yeah. the way that he was handled. I think it derailed him a little bit. And I have not given up on Jose Barrero yet, but I do not think that he is ignoring advice or being unwilling to change. Uh, I think the opposite is true. I think he's just pressing. Uh, Aristides Aquino, uh, man, what an eye opener that comment was from Eric Davis. Uh, you know, Doug Gray pointed out, well, we've seen Aquino change things. I, I agree. We have seen Aquino change things. But what that said to me was that Aquino is tweaking things on his own and is not really willing to listen to outside input on those changes.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I also kind of look at Jose Barrera like this. Like If you think about any normal person starting a new job, there are some that take to that job like a fish to water and just absolutely explode and they're ready to go from day one. And there's some that have an adjustment period. There's some that, you know, they need to get used to, okay, I got emails, I got this, I got to fill out this expense report and all this other stuff. I got to get used to doing all this stuff. Jose Barrero is probably getting information like a fire hose coming at him, like different people saying, this is how you do this. This is how you fix this. This is what you do in the field. This is what you do on the base pad, This is what you do with your bat. And you know, all of this different stuff. Like I think that we're going to see him figure things out. And when that happens, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. But this was pause that I was given in my mind as I was watching him play the other day. And it's not because he hit a walk off. It's because I was just watching and thinking like, not everybody's ready to go from the word go. Some people need a minute to get acclimated to their situation. I think Jose Barrera is showing us that.
1: All right. Continuing on the Aristides Aquino theme. Uh, remember when Aristides Aquino had his insane 2019 year, any chance that that could happen again? Well, well, I mean, never say never. Maybe it's less than a 0% chance, but I think that it's probably more likely that Jeff gets called up to the major league team (laughs) than it is that Aresiz Aquino has another month like he had in
2: 2019. I think Eric Davis's comment told us all we need to know. Like, baseball is a game of adjustments. Pitchers know how to pitch him. He has not adjusted to them knowing how to pitch him and until he does that he's not going to improve at the plate. Now defensively, yeah, sure he showed us he can be elite in the field. But an elite right fielder that bats or an elite defensive right fielder that bats 120, um when that is a thing, let me know.
1: Cuz it's not Kerrick makes a great point, circling back on our Mike Moustakis conversation. He says that he doubts Moose's cut before the season. Maybe a couple months in, but they will make him show that he's still awful before throwing that money away.
2: I agree. That's true. That's true. And that's what they did with Matt Kemp. I mean, Matt Kemp actually got at bats in a Reds uniform before he was shown the door. So I could see that.
1: Next question. Who is our favorite prospect besides Ellie De La Cruz? You can take this one first. I want to think about it for a second.
2: See, talent-wise, I love, 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 love Matt McClain. I really want to see what he can do at the major league level. But there's two guys, you know, one of them. And the other, I was talking with our friend Crazy on Twitter today about this guy. There's two guys that, okay, the Reds have a dearth of talent. Or is dearth the right word? Maybe it's a glut. Glut. Whatever. They have a There's lot a of lot. talent. Big words, Jeff. There's a lot of talent, yeah. Uh at the at in the minor leagues that's coming up and getting ready to be a red. There's also a lot of really cool names. Because we got Daniel Veoheen. Oh, and we have another one. Leonardo Belcazar. I can't oh. wait. I want to see John Sadak say those two players' names because he's gonna have so much fun. He's gonna have almost as much fun as I have saying them. Because those guys' names are so epic, and I'm rooting so hard for Daniel Veohine. Daniel Veohine is not a top 10 prospect. He's not on any top 10 list. I don't think Leonardo Balcazar is in the top 20, as far as I've seen in some lists. He he might be because he's really low down. But these two guys, like, I want them to make the majors just to hear their names called because. Veoheen and Balcazar sound like Star Wars names.
1: Well, uh, wow, smooth play by Almora in the outfield there. That guy is you missed great that because I was too excited it's about silk. <laughs> uh listen, for me, you know, there's a couple guys that I have my eye on. You, you touched on one, Matt McClain. Getting to talk to him in that interview this week. You know, he is he is baseball smart. You know, he believes in himself. He has a lot of talent. And I think I think he's gonna be a, a contributor at the major league level. I really do think he's gonna get there. I'm kind of excited to see what he does. Another guy that I've been keeping a close watch on is Connor Phillips. You know, he oh, was yeah. the the player to be named later in that uh Winker Suarez deal. And everybody had treated him like he was a throw in. And I don't believe that was ever the case. I think that the Reg just needed a little bit more time to pick of a list of really good guys. And and Connor is just the guy that they picked. And he's delivered. He he's moving through the system. He's doing well uh, and and I'm looking forward to seeing him to continue to develop. Uh he's one that I kind of watch a lot to see what's going to happen with him.
2: And by the way, props to You, because the reason that I picked Matt McClain was your interview. Yeah, if you haven't listened to it, you got to go listen to Steve's chat with Matt McClain because dude is smart. Dude's got a great baseball mind, and he really puts it on display in that interview with Steve.
1: Well, I appreciate you uh, saying that, Jeff. I've been having a lot of fun with these interviews. Some good ones coming, too. I mean, I am not done yet. I'm going to try and squeeze in as many as I can before this season ends. Uh, Next one from Scott Campbell. If the Castellinis are that poor, we need new owners. Because they're that poor, we're not going to get new owners. There is nothing else in the world that the Castellinis can do where they don't have to work at all, and they're going to make billions of dollars. There, there's no chance that they're ever going to sell. They're going to. The only way we're getting rid of that family is they're going to have to do something really stupid, uh, a la Marge shot and get forced out by Major League Baseball. Uh, Unfortunately, the Reds went up for sale before all of the franchise values ballooned. If, if, if Carl Linder had held on to the team till now and the Linder family was trying to sell it right now, we would get someone like Cohen by this team. Uh, it wouldn't be a guy that runs a produce stand. Uh, just unfortunate that he was able to put together an ownership group in that day, in that time, with what little bit of money that they did have and, and be able to become Major League Baseball owners. I don't think we're ever getting rid of them.
2: No, there's been whispers of pipe dreams, but you're right. I mean, and honestly, this is a favorable situation for them, if we're being honest, because at the end of 2023, there are no guaranteed contracts on this roster. So they can really mold this. And I think they understand because they heard everybody's complaints after they dumped salary and they made all these panic purchases of Tommy Pham and Mike Miner and they added payroll because I think they're only like $6 million less in their total team payroll this year compared to last year. So I think they understand that they can't just make good on the, on the cheapness and, and get people to the ballpark. On the other side of that is I think they know now that they need to be smart with that. And the smart money is going to be on extending Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson, and looking at Lodolo, uh, Green, Ashcraft, guys like that. Alexis Diaz that they can keep here for a long time.
1: I want to throw this up here because yes, this is one of the guys that blows me up every time I talk about it, and so you know I'm gonna die That's on this Stevenson. hill. I'm yeah, yeah. I, yes, I'm staying with it. I, I'm I'm just I'm staying with it.
2: I, I I get it. I do understand the other point of view of keeping him at catcher, but I I do think that the injuries that he has suffered is something more than bad luck. Like I I feel like it is a case where he's in the he's on the tracks. In the, uh, you know, in the danger zone of getting hit by a train danger zone of getting hit by the train. And you can move him off the tracks if you make that decision or you can keep him there and see if he gets hit.
1: Yeah. Gimple goes on to say that he's more concerned about the India injuries than the Stevenson injuries. And, you know, yeah, the injuries to Jonathan India are concerning because they're just baseball injuries. They're going to happen just those are going to happen you you can pull your hamstring doing anything on the baseball field you can get hurt being hit by a pitch at any time stevenson's injuries though have been a lot of catcher induced injuries so uh if you can keep that bat in the lineup by making a better position decision i think you do it
2: yeah i i once heard somebody say if, if you're walking through a field and you step in a cow pie. Well, then you've stepped in a cow pie. If you keep stepping in cow pies, well, then you should probably pick a new field to walk through. Tyler Stevenson probably needs a new position.
1: Jeff Johnson asks Jeff, and it's it's very relevant right now. Nick Senzel just homered in this game tonight. What is the future for Nick Senzel on this team? Uh, I think he's got. Very much little bit of time to prove it. If he wants to yep. be around here, if he if he's going to be a valuable major leaguer, he needs to prove it between now and, say, the end of next season or he's going to be replaced.
2: I think, and this will definitely be the uh, topic of an upcoming episode, but I think if you were to compare the make or break situations of Jose Barrero and Nick Senzel, Nick Senzel's got a longer leash because there just aren't that many super impressive outfielders that are coming up through the system. There are so many super impressive shortstops, but still I think that Nixon Zell is basically looking at the rest of this year and a chunk of next year. I don't necessarily think that they will hand him the center field job all next year, but he at least has it due to position scarcity for next season. If he can't prove it by then, then we have a different discussion because there are some outfielders that are probably going to be up by 2024, like Jay Allen that will take his spot very quickly.
1: This next question is a good one. Jeff's from Jimmy McFarlane, uh, is Solano and Reynolds on this team next year. Reynolds has been, been a good player this year, been a player Mm -hmm. this year. Um, I'll go first. I think Reynolds could be a member of this team. I would like for Donovan Solano to be a member of this team next season. Uh, I think the thing with Solano is he's going to go start for somebody and he's going to get a, a good pay raise based on how he's performing. Uh, Reynolds, I think he could probably keep around as a backup, as a utility, uh, relatively inexpensively, which appeals to this uh, front office. So uh, I could see him being
2: around. Uh, more I, than Solano. I would definitely agree. Knee jerk, need jerk reaction. I think that they bring back Matt Reynolds. The thing that I have with Donovan Solano is, what offers does does he get from contending teams? Because he's going to want to contend. I, I I believe that he was kind of rooting to get traded at the deadline, and, and he should have because he's in the point of his career where he needs to be in the playoffs now because who knows how much longer he's going to be a viable bat in somebody's lineup, and he has showed us that he is a viable bat for the Cincinnati Reds. All of that being said, though, if he gets a decent offer from a contending team, I think he's gone. He's not picking the Reds over, you know, say he gets offered by the Mets or something like that, He's and it's, you know, he gets more money from the Reds, but he gets offered by the Mets. I think he's picking the Mets.
1: Let's keep moving through this thing. Uh, Germany checking in, Jeff. Uh, I've got a message here. Hi from Germany. You two are doing an amazing job. Thanks for effort. And let's go Reds. Hey, thanks for checking in. Uh, Worldwide listenership, Jeffrey. Worldwide domination from the Locked on Reds podcast. I love it. Dankeschön. I am going to continue to scroll here. Say something smart while I scroll.
2: I try to say things in German. i probably mispronounce them very terribly, but no, I I really do like what we're seeing right now from this Reds team against the Pirates because early on taking the lead, this team is actually kind of built. If you look at it the rest of the way, if their lineup can give them any kind of support, whenever Ashcraft and Green and or Ashcraft and Lodolo are on the mound, they're going to get a chance to win. And Carrick's crazy. Hey, what's up, crazy? Well, there um, we go. We learned something we go. here. Shout out Carrick. Um, I'm going to call you Carrick now in our DMs. Anyway, um, but the way that they're winning right now is with pitching and defense. Which I'm not saying that the Reds are a playoff team, but that's what a playoff team does. You win with play with pitching and defense. It's just the Reds have three starting pitchers that you're really not sure about, and the lineup at at its best gives you like four runs.
1: Gimpleg says he wonders if any of the other prospects on the player to be named later list ended up in Cincinnati. I, I bet yep. you that they did. I, I don't know for a fact that they did, but I bet you Noel V. Marte was in the
2: conversation in the initial deal. It was not. Well, he might have been in the conversation in the initial deal, but he was not on the player to be named later list. According to our locked on Mariners guy, shout out Ty and Colby, uh, Levi Stout was one of the names on the player-to-name-later be list. And, of course, he came over in the Castillo deal. But they basically said that, according to what they had heard, it was between Connor Phillips and Levi Stout. And what do you know? The Reds went and got the other guy anyway.
1: All right. Crazy checking in, since we know that that's him now. Henrik <laughs> says, uh, Reynolds hasn't reached arbitration yet, so good chance he'll be back. Yeah, I think that's true. I didn't yeah, it's the same
2: with... The same with Farmer. I think there's a lot of people that don't know different players. Is that
1: is that true situation. is that true that he hasn't reached arbitration? Why was he designated he's for assignment our, with the Mets then?
2: He's in our um well, I think I think it's just, you know, if they're if they're trying to get him off the forty man, you have to be. you have to put him on waivers. All right, that makes sense. All right, here we go.
1: Who is your guys' favorite, most exciting Reds player to watch?
2: Go for it, Jeffrey. I think you know my answer. It's Alexis Diaz, man. I love it when this dude comes out of the bullpen. He's got those two pitches. The guys at the plate know what's coming. They know it's a fastball and a slider, and they can't touch it. There's nothing they can do about it. And there's something that Steve Mancuso posted on Twitter, and, and he wrote about this on the Reds Content Plus uh, morning spin newsletter. But he was talking about how early on in the season, Alexis Diaz had a 14% walk rate, which is very, very bad. That would put him in like the bottom percentile of the league. But since I believe it's the beginning of June, he has a 4% walk rate, which is elite which would put him in very, very good company when you're talking about the top pitchers in the league, let alone top relievers in the league. So overall, he has really improved to the point that I feel very comfortable saying he is this team's bullpen ace. He is this team's bullpen ace for next year, barring a huge move that I don't think that they'll make, but they definitely need to build this bullpen around him. If we're looking at the current roster right now, I have
1: two guys, uh, as far as pitching goes, I like watching Nick Lodolo pitch. pitch. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, when we watched him pitch when I was in town last, uh, he's just so much fun to watch. He gets better every time out. I'm really excited about him. Love watching him pitch. And as far as the hitters go, you know, I've been, you know, a, a, a Joey Votto fan for a long, 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 long time. And this, this injury is very sad up until, you know, he's out of the lineup now. Uh, he was my favorite to watch hit. Uh, I think that, you know, there was always a chance he was going to do something special and, it's, it's not going to be uh, very long until he's gone for good, and I'm going to miss having a, a Hall of Famer in the lineup. And I don't know when we'll get our next career red after this. So um, I enjoy watching him. So those are my two guys.
2: He's definitely my favorite current red. I was just thinking, you know, outside the box. Right.
1: gameplay asks, Do we expect to see Hunter Green again this year? I do expect to see Hunter Green again this year, and I am against it. I think at this point they should shut him down and just uh, – let him rest up and go into his off season workouts. But it sounds like, you know, they've been having him, they've been having him toss. I, I think they're trying to get him back for a September wrap up.
2: The latest report in the latest interview with him, he was like, I feel good. Uh, the doctors cleared me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm completely healthy. I feel amazing. I'm ready to get back at it. So we'll probably hear about him going on a rehab start here soon. of It is. We're just running out of time. Like at this point, what is a rehab really going to bring? for Hunter Green is is he going to come back and get like three starts, four starts at most? That doesn't seem worth it.
1: No, I don't I don't think that they should risk his arm by going through this exercise in a season that's lost uh, again. I would like to see him shut it down. Jeff, we are fast approaching an hour here. Let's take maybe one more question and then think about wrapping it up. If you've guys got anything you've been on the fence about submitting, go ahead and throw them in. Maybe we'll take another one. But let's go uh, to Scott Campbell's question here, and I'll let you uh, dive into this one first. Uh, Scott asks, will we ever see the Dragons win an MWL championship?
2: I kind of thought it would be this year. I know that they really had some bad luck at the end of the first half of the season and ended up losing the top spot. I, I, I thought it would be this year because they had so much talent on the team. But with the Reds' organizational philosophy for player development, when they think they're ready, they're going to bump them up actually probably a week before or maybe a couple of weeks before they're ready, just so they challenge these guys more. Jeff Brantley said it on a radio broadcast the other day, and it's just been stuck in my head ever since, is that the Reds want to see these guys fail at certain points in the minor leagues before they get to the major leagues. Because when they have just absolutely scorched every level of the minor leagues, and then they get to the majors, and they have their first taste of struggling, it's like they don't know what to do. So they want them to struggle. They're going to promote them quickly. There's probably going to be some interesting talent at the beginning of next year in Dayton as well. But as far as when we might see that, that's kind of an interesting question because I don't know that they will have the consistent talent on their roster with which to predict that.
1: You know, that's exactly what I think, too. Uh, I think that the Reds are going to continue to move guys up. It's going to be hard for high A to have... A consistent talent base to to win uh and and that's good that means the guys are performing they're getting moved up uh the prospects are getting that much closer to cincinnati so if my choice is get guys better moved up and and help the big club or dayton to win a championship i, I move them up every time
2: yeah i, I saw the other day on uh, on twitter carlos over uh, uh late night red stock had this to say about prospects, he was like, you know, guys below double A, I kind of discount what it is that they're doing because until they get to double A, they really haven't tasted competition anywhere near major league level. So yeah, if they're setting low A and high A on fire, fine. What are you doing at double A? What are you doing at triple A? That's really when you get tested, and I think that there's something to that.
1: All right, last couple questions here. Uh, Adam Evans is asking about Spencer Steer. He corrected. He corrected it. A couple of comments down. Or Do we think we'll see him? I sure hope we see him Uh, again. Again, breaking news. I'm going to talk to him. Uh, We're sitting down tomorrow, so I'm going to ask him how he's feeling. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about a a shot at the uh, cup of coffee this season and uh, see how useful he thinks that would be. Those are some of the questions I'm going to ask him when we sit down tomorrow.
2: The AAA season ends midway through September. I think that there's a good shot that if he's not called up before then, he will be called up then.
1: All right. Well, you know, I think that's probably a good spot to wrap this up, Jeff. I'm oh, going to let fun. you. I'm going to let you do the outro here in just a second. But I do want to say to everybody that's hung out with us for an hour today, uh, you guys are great. I appreciate you listening and and you know watching us on YouTube, listening in the audio feeds, love interacting with you guys on Twitter. Don't ever stop. Love the back and forth. I learn a lot from you guys. You guys help me uh, dig and go look for things that I wouldn't think of all the times. And I appreciate you all. Uh, I look forward to continuing to interact with you guys on a daily basis as we keep doing this show. Uh, Appreciate you all so much.
2: Absolutely, Steve. And I echo that. Thank you guys so much for watching uh, this live edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. That is where we will end today's podcast. Thank you so much again uh, for making us probably not your first listen, but as always, every other day, thanks for making us your first listen uh, coming up next week. We've got a lot that we're going to be covering. We're going to focus on the farm system. We're going to look deeper into some prospects that are hopefully coming up here soon, guys that will probably be coming up in the next couple of years and how they will transform this reds team and open that window just a little bit more. That's all coming up next week. Now make sure you go check out the locked on MLB podcast. Cause Sully's got you covered on all things league wide. Both past and present. Try to say both those words at the same time. That's hard to do. Sully and Locked On MLB are just like us in Locked On Reds. Free and available on all platforms. Steve, the Reds are in Pittsburgh. And hopefully we'll be talking to Ethan Smith on Monday about a Reds series sweep. What's that mean for you and me?
1: Well, I, I neglected Dayton yesterday, so I'm doing the same sign-off, Jeff. We're going to be locked on Daytona. We're going to be locked on Dayton. We're going to be locked on Chattanooga. We're going to be locked on Louisville. And we are going to be locked on Reds every single day.
0: Hey, Prime members. You
2: can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.